Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we are back from our Father's Day hiatus to talk about open tryouts for the tribe starting rotation, the importance of having lawyers on the bench, and our farewell to Coco. I'm here tonight with two of the best ever. Phil Danko is here. Hey, Gerbers. Hey, Chuck. How you guys doing? Well, thanks for stealing my thunder. Chuck Rambaldo is here as well. <laughs> hey, guys. How y'all doing? Apparently, it's Phil's first time on the show. Um, <laughs> I have no idea how this, how this is going to go. Well, Phil, in that case, why don't we start with you? Fantastic. I'm sure this is a poignant question. It All is. Right? It's going to be poignant in a real quick minute, friend. Uh, <laughs> earlier this month, scientists found an Asian giant hornet outside the city of Seattle. This so-called murder hornet is the first discovered in the country this year. Phil, your average murder hornet is two inches long, and the first was found near the U.S.-Canadian border in December of 2019. However, murder hornets are not particularly aggressive towards humans. Their sting may be extremely painful, and repeated stings, though rare, can kill. In the end, not a whole lot of murdering going on. So, Phil, is murder hornet really an appropriate name? Or should we just go with something like really big ass B? Murder is kind of overselling it, right? I mean, they have, have they been charged with any murders? Not to my knowledge, but I like that you're going with a legal theme because that's going to yeah. be pervasive throughout the show. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we can get these hornets off on a technicality for sure. <laughs> so what do you want to do with the name? Oh, you're really oh, the- acting like Tom right now, not an- answering the question. <laughs> you just want to go right into your take on the Bucks Hawks series too? Yeah, I, I think perhaps I should just be suspended for the rest, of the rest of the week. The name of the Hornets should just be Big Ass B, I suppose, rather than murder anything. Okay. Why yeah. don't we go ahead and hit our first segment? We'll stay at home. We will start with our tribe week cap. And this was a week for the Indians that went from bad to worse in a hurry. Aaron Savali went on the IL with a finger injury early in the week. And at this point, the tribe has never been statistically closer to me joining the starting rotation. And that's really bad news. But the tribe got a split with the Cubs early in the week and the White Sox finally slowed down. So at midweek, the Indians were only two weeks out of first place. Then they dropped two or three to the twins. Josh Naylor suffered an absolutely brutal injury this afternoon. And it finally looks like maybe those injuries that they've been facing throughout the last month, month and a half are going to catch up to the team. So, Phil, looking first at the starting rotation, do you think there is anybody in the new rotation that is going to be able to step up and serve some sort of role as an ace for the next 30 days or so? An ace might be overselling it like Murder Hornet. I think um, <laughs> I think there's a couple guys that have some potential to at least at least string together some wins or at least keep the team in the game and give us six or seven innings. Um, Who are those guys? I'm I'm getting there. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> this used to be a lot more laid back. <laughs> um, I I was gonna say, uh, and and I don't want to jump ahead too far, but uh, I thought J.C. Mejia had a good start this week. He gave us six innings, didn't give up any runs. He had a little shaky start to the game and completely reversed field and 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 pulled off a good six inning game so that that's a possibility he's got the stuff I mean I know he's a young kid but he might be able to give us some innings I know Tom doesn't like to hear this but Logan Allen was scheduled to start yesterday 
and I would imagine is going to get a couple starts here in the next, uh, what do they have like 15 games in 15 days or something like that? Maybe this is his second chance, right? And he comes up and says, all right, this is the Logan Allen we saw in spring training. And that gives us some hope. The only other hope is I believe this week, Plesak is throwing a rehab start early part of the week in hopes of rejoining the team in the next week or so. Chuck, what about you? Any of those guys that they've been kind of rolling out for spot starts the last week and a half going to be somebody who can step up? Almost exactly what Phil said. I liked what I saw from the kid. He did all right. And all I'm looking, when I say all right, I mean somebody who's going to pitch five to six innings in their starts, uh, not be gone in, in second or third inning. Shaw worries me. Like I'm all for redemption, especially if it shoves it up Tommy's ass. But uh, his <laughs> stat, like his stats in the minors, were nearly as bad as they were up here. I saw something earlier today, and it did not look good. But I know they signed the guy from the Astros who was hurt for a year, like Peacock or something like that, who, yeah. who pitched both as a starter and in the bullpen. So maybe that guy can fill a role for a little while until one or two or three more starters come back. But uh, I, I think the best bet is Plesak, right? Coming back as soon as humanly possible. Any one of these guys could give you five good innings, but none of them are going to do it consistently. So you're going to keep running into every three or four days. Is this the day that a dude gets lit up for six runs in the first two innings and you got to dig into the bullpen and eventually that bullpen is just not going to be able to last and keep doing that. And so I think that's my concern is they just don't really have anybody that it seems like right now is going to be able to consistently step up. And that shouldn't be a surprise because these weren't guys who were in the starting rotation at the beginning of the year. And, you know, either they're young and they're trying to learn, or maybe they're just not quite the talent level you want in the starting rotation. It's going to be an issue on the offensive side of things. Naylor suffered a pretty serious injury today. It looks like he definitely fractured his ankle or um, something in his lower leg. I guess we could talk about whether he should have been calling for the ball that he had in his glove when that collision happened, but he's been hitting the ball pretty well for about the last month. And he's been obviously a really consistent guy in this lineup for the whole season. How big is that loss of Naylor to the team going forward? I think it's big just because he's been so consistent offensively. You know, I didn't see it. I don't want to see. I hate seeing guys get really injured, especially when I see a tech saying his foot's going the wrong way. Yeah, Uh, that that freaks me out. I don't want to see it. But whoever was playing second base, I'm not I can't blame that dude. Uh, We all played baseball and at elementary level, you know, if you're an outfielder, it is your ball to call. Yeah, uh, but I guess the second base don't like his third game playing there. Again, not blaming that guy, but it sucks that he's he's kind of stepped up for the last month when you saw guys getting like Reyes is gone uh, and the catcher, those dudes not there. And it was nice that he started to heat up. It, it sucks. Like, I, I don't know if he's a great outfielder. I don't think he's all that great of an outfielder, but the fact that he was at least consistent for a month when most of the time we're bagging on half this lineup, if not three quarters of it, I, I think it hurts real bad that, you know, he's probably done for the year from what everybody has either texted or or sit online. Yeah. And Phil, that was going to be my question. It, it looks like it's a busted ankle. I mean, I was watching the game today when it happened and it looked, it looked pretty serious right away. My first thought was that that's the season for that guy, right? Yes, absolutely. Without a doubt. It, it's a bummer because he's playing pretty well, but he's a young guy who needs reps and needs chances. And now you've lost him for essentially more than half the season. You, you don't know exactly what you have yet. Because you haven't had him for the full year. 
I didn't, I was listening to it on the radio when it happened. I, I didn't see it, but it sounded a lot like what happened to Prescott, Dak Prescott in the, in the NFL. And you know, it, it's, it's a, if that is the case, and I don't know, I, you know, again, I was listening to it over the radio and responding to your text. So if it's that bad, you know, he might not be ready for the beating of next year. Let's hope it's not that bad. Still an awful injury. And he's certainly done for this season and he's got a lot of rehab ahead of him. And it's, it's too bad because he was putting together good at bats he was getting hits, yeah. at least one, sometimes even two hits every night. Uh, and even the nights that he was going one for four, he was putting together good at bats. And that's what you wanted to see out of that kid, whether he was playing right field or first base. I think you saw a real maturity or at least a real development from the beginning of the year when he would swing at just about anything to more disciplined at bats, better hitting. It's, it's hard to lose. And I guess one of the positive notes in this is that Reyes is on his rehab assignments. He may be back with the team in a week or so. And of course that fills a need for a bat in the middle of the lineup. I think new, losing Naylor is big. He was really starting to play well. Um, and he was a guy that they could definitely use and, and count on for some consistency in that lineup for the rest of the season. So obviously all of our best to Josh Naylor and, you know, hoping for that injury not to be as severe as we might think it is. And, and for a speedy recovery, Phil, who had a good week this week? For the tribe. I was going to go offensively with Josh Naylor. I'm going to, I'm going to skip that because I don't, I, the way that week ended, it was just awful. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to give it to the back end of the bullpen again. I've only played five games this week, so there wasn't a lot of opportunity. Right. Only one, yeah. only one strange week. Yeah. Yeah. They only won two of those five games and there was, uh, so the back end of the bullpen, you know, mostly Shaw, Karen check and class a, they pitched in parts of three games that said, in all of their appearances, they gave up zero runs and I think a total of four hits uh, spread across three games. So again, that's what we need out of the, the back end of this bullpen. If we can get to those guys and we have a lead as thin as it may be, we've got a pretty good chance. Chuck, how about you? Who had a good week? I had Josh Naylor uh, until today. I think he, he was hitting close to 400 for the week, mm -hmm. which was uh, lights out compared to everybody else on in the lineup. So uh, it was him uh, until today. And then I don't know after him. So I'm just it's a nice parting gift, I guess. I don't know. Sorry, buddy. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what? It sucks because I had the exact same thing. He hit 350 this week, you know, including what they did today. And it's just a shame. He was he was really hitting the ball well. He had some big hits. Um, it's been 51 days since the last time they were no hit. So that's pretty good. I had that. <laughs> hey. Uh, um, and I also had Class A uh, going along a little bit with what Phil was saying, because it looks like he has found his stuff again. That ball is starting to move the way it was earlier in the year, and he's just a, an absolute joy to watch. So, Chuck, I'll let you go first this time so Phil can't steal the easy one from you. Uh, who had a bad week? It's the first time I've ever uttered this name as good or bad because he was always the easy pick for good. But this week, I thought Jose Ramirez had an awful week. Uh, I think through today, two for 21, so hitting, hitting under 100. Uh, and when you really need him the most, um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunities that they need him, but this week it just stuck out. And I know, uh, I think he got hit. When did he get hit on the hand? Was it last week? Yeah, I think it was get hit or a couple something. weeks ago. Yeah. The week before that. <laughs> so yeah. I've, I haven't looked that far back, but I wonder if that that's part of it or just had a shitty week. But hitting below 100 is a awful, awful week uh, for Owen Miller, let alone for the best hitter on your team. <laughs> That's, that's 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 Owen Miller's like like average week yeah. while he was up with the team. <laughs> right. It's not, that right. wasn't shitty for him. That was that was right in the middle of the bell curve. <laughs> Phil, how about you? Who had a bad week? I'm gonna go with our boy Bobby Bradley. He uh he he hit two home runs this week. 
Uh, those were his only two hits of the week. He went two for 17, slightly outdoing Jose Ramirez by hitting 118 <laughs> for the week. His his average is down to like 233 now, I think. He did, however, in a very un-Bobby Bradley-like manner, walk in a run uh, for an RBI this week. So he did not strike out and he plated somebody by by taking a walk. But again, I, I, I know we're asking a lot of this kid, but uh, he's seen to really kind of take a dive these last few weeks. I absolutely need to change the format of this section because you guys absolutely know what's coming. Now you're starting to tell me exactly what their batting averages are during the that's week. Right. You guys yeah. are preparing and that's totally yes. against yep. the rules. You're what, you both suspended. Suspend again? Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> For the bad week, I had Bobby Bradley, Ahmed Rosario, Cesar Hernandez, and Jose Ramirez all hitting under 200. And that is a recipe for this team to be wildly unsuccessful. If those dudes in that part of the lineup aren't hitting at all, they're not winning any games, especially when we're on our fourth string starting rotation. Trevor Stefan and Nick Whitgren also struggled a little bit this week out of the bullpen. They were really the only ones from the bullpen who took a dive this week. I tend to think at least for Jose, it's just a, it's just a bad week. You know, he's going to have these weeks during the year where he doesn't hit. And this was one of them. And, you know, I, I feel like that guy will be fine. So next week, looking ahead, Tribe comes home for three against Detroit starting tomorrow night. And then they have four against the Astros at home. Phil, what are you looking for next week? Uh, this is asking the impossible. I, I can't imagine who we're going to trot out there to start these games. But I, I, what I'm looking for this week is sweeping the Tigers and then taking somehow taking two out of four from the from the Astros. Is that too much? Yes. Chuck, what do you think? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How many are they against the Tigers? Three? Are they three, three against three? the Tigers, four against yeah, the four. Astros. Shit. Yeah, that's what I thought gonna, too when I saw like, this. Maybe I'm gonna go like three three wins would be nice. I'll, I would take that, I guess, <laughs> not knowing who's what's gonna happen with the starting rotation or what's gonna happen with the hitting or anything along those lines. But um Tigers no good. Astros, I think, are pretty good. And then the Astros yeah, are in first place, man. Yeah, I don't think it gets any easier after this week where then they're looking at like the rays and the a's and so uh hey let's take two from detroit i guess and yeah play our, play our cards <laughs> the rest of the way yeah uh, that that's kind of where i am if we could get two or three from detroit and i think it's a miracle if they split with the astros but i kind of think if they just don't get swept i'd be okay with whatever happens against houston at the end of the week and over the weekend so that's it for our week cap with the tribe why don't we move on and for the first time in a while, talk a little Cavs basketball. The Ooh. draft lottery in the NBA was last week, and the Cavs ended up with the third pick in this year's draft. So, Phil, scale of 1 to 10. 1 being me dunking a basketball. 10 being me dribbling the ball off my foot out of bounds. What are the chances that the Cavs can draft LeBron James with that pick? Uh, five. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's way oh, better no. than I thought it would be. <laughs> Well, they could draft LeBron James. I think they just forfeit their draft then, right? Like they could say LeBron James when it's their turn to pick and see what happens. Boy, I hope that doesn't. Chucky, I don't know if you've been paying any attention, but they're immediately after they won this pick, there started to be noise in Cleveland about trading Colin Sexton. Does that make yeah. any sense to you? Not to me. I mean, he's your best scorer on the team. And it's not like there's an unbelievable team we have that we could afford to lose. Uh, to lose young players. I, I saw that and I thought it was asinine. Like, you know, a guy who's actually getting better and it's like, let's ship him out. It's for what? 
And I assume it, it, for, it, it means for a package for Ben Simmons because he can never play in Philadelphia ever again. But I like Colin Sexton. I, I don't know why they would think about shopping him. I saw that and I saw the pit trading the third pick, the third overall pick. Yeah, I don't really get either one of those, especially at this point, if it's for Ben Simmons. Like, I feel like we could yeah. trade Kevin Love and like eight basketballs and get Ben Simmons right now. There's no reason <laughs> to give up Colin Sexton. So, Phil, you've got a team that has Sexton, Darius Garland, uh, Jared Allen, which is the guy they traded for during the year and gave a contract to, and Isaac Okoro, who was last year's first round pick. And now you're adding this year's third pick in the draft. Isn't this the the Cavs chance to build their big three from within rather than having to rely on free agency or, or more trades. Absolutely. We, we talked about it in past pods where the Cleveland Cavaliers only chance to get a big three is through the draft and every now and again, a trade uh, much like the golden state warriors did when they built their team up, you, right. you know, that right. was not a destination franchise and they hit on their draft picks for three, maybe even four years in a row. So yeah, this is it. And, and I agree with Chuck. I don't know why, even if you're, even if the guy who's slated to go third in the draft is a two guard and can score from all over the place, the Cavs are not in a position to just dump scorers right now. Right. You know, it's okay to have a couple guys coming off the bench that could also score the basketball. Maybe that'll help them win some games. I, I think we'll have plenty of time as we, as we lead into the draft to, to talk about who is a good fit in that three spot. But I think with the third pick in the NBA draft, you're getting a potential superstar. Why would you ever give that up? And I think Colin Sexton is still a potential superstar. So why would you ever give him up? Uh, I, I don't see any reason to move anybody. I would love for them to just have a really good, really successful, really smart draft, uh, and then add another huge piece to a young team and maybe see some improvement uh, in the, in the coming years. And I think that would be fine. I don't see any reason to move Sexton. And I was surprised that anybody was even talking about that. Like I said, we'll have plenty of time to talk about the draft, but good on the Cavs for, I don't know, winning the lottery somehow and getting the third <laughs> pick. I don't know if they did anything special to get there, except for be especially shitty last season. Maybe it was worth it. They got the third pick. Um, but why don't we move on and move into our 13 week series 13 Shades of Brown, getting our listeners ready for the upcoming Cleveland Browns season. And we are going to play our first installment of a new quiz game called, Hey Man, Who Are You? <laughs> Where I'm going to quiz you guys about a member of the Browns coaching staff, see how much you know. I will assign points for correct answers and we'll see who wins. Maybe we can keep a tally over the next 13 weeks. Does anybody have any questions about the rules of the game? Are there points for creativity? No. Or do we have right you, you gotta be right no oh, wow. and the point system is random totally decided by me based on the question excellent uh, somebody keeps score okay <laughs> stat department get on it okay brother. so whoever answers first obviously well whoever answers first and correctly is the winner so fellas who is the browns offensive coordinator ryan gable the notorious Wrong. avp Alex Van Pelt. Oh, Alex oh Van Pelt. Phil. Well done. You got nice. it. Good job. 10 points for Phil. Alex Van Pelt is the Browns current offensive coordinator. Next question, fellas. When he was a player, where did Alex Van Pelt play his college football? He's a Pitt Panther. If I remember correctly, Phil is correct. Another 10 points for Phil. Chuck, when are you going to get into this game? 
I'm keeping score. So Excellent. my answer is the stat department. Actually. <laughs> Maybe you should stop keeping score and try to get into the game. So, oh, all right. While he was a player at Pitt, which Pitt legends records did Alex Van Pelt break? And Marino. Well done, Phil. Again, 25 points. You fucking for that go one. to Pitt, dude. What, did you do your graduate at Pitts? <laughs> I was the third string quarterback. <laughs> I mean, listen, there's only really two guys you've ever known that went to Pitt, right? It's Marino and Dorsett. It had to be one of them. That's it. That's it. Aaron Seriously. Donaldson, right? Didn't he go to, he went to Pitt. The oh, guy, he did. You're he's right. Like, yeah, he's you're right. Pitt, he's really good at football too. <laughs> Do I get any points for that? Please? He should get some points for that. Aaron Donaldson getting... is really good. <laughs> well, I think his name is Aaron Donald, isn't it? I Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Okay, yeah, second base. I'm going to give you three points. For three points for that, that one. <laughs> I'm on the board. Three points. You're on the board. Okay. So Alex Van Pelt, back to him off of some of the other pit legends. What did he have more of NFL seasons as a player or NFL starts as a player seasons, Phil, I'll go with starts trick question. He ah. had 11 NFL seasons and 11 NFL starts. So uh, nobody gets any points on that one. Pathetic. All right. <laughs> Father's day. It was last week. So in honor of that, who knows how many kids Alex Van Pelt has? Is it eleven? <laughs> oh, Chuck with three. Chuck, Chuck, you're right. It's three. I thought it was eleven. You get twenty five points for that, Chuck. Who won? Uh, Phil won thirty to twenty eight. Ah, uh, well. Thanks for playing our first installment of Hey Man, Who Are You? As part of our Thirteen Shades of Brown, as we get ready for the Cleveland Brown season. <laughs> but with that, fellas, we will take our first break. We'll come back. We'll head out on the road unprofessional and unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor hello i'm matthew thomas tersick a short time ago i joined bill gates steve wozniak and thousands of middle-aged men who think they know how to make beer by starting a new business in my basement now tersick industries is a leader in groundbreaking products for all ages and situations at Tersic Industries, we know that COVID-19 kept families and friends apart last Christmas and that Americans are looking forward to making up that holiday with Christmas in July celebrations all across the country. Christmas in July is a magical time, but it isn't just Christmas on Julio without presents. Well, at Tersic Industries, we have your ex-most known Julio gift is covered, eh? Maybe you are interested in the wildly popular turd sack. It's like a water balloon, but if you fill it with poo. Turd sack makes a great gag gift, but if your wife doesn't get your sense of humor, your kids will love it. At least the fastest one will. Turd sacks now available wherever fertilizer and enemas are sold. Need a gift not filled with excrement for your fancy friends and family? Let me suggest the terse flask. Because we all know size does matter, the Terse Flask is specially designed to hold the equivalent of exactly one regulation airplane liquor bottle's content of hooch. It's kind of enviro-friendly, mostly non-toxic, and can be recycled into a portable catheter for those moments when you just have to go and there is no shrubbery in sight. Terse Flask. One size fits all of my friends. Looking for something less exciting? Tersic Industries is proud to present Vicky Shoes. Comfortable and dependable, they are no joke. Vicky Shoes fit like a glove, but for your feet, dummy. These are only for Vickies. You Victorias can f*** it off. 
and make your own footwear. Strictly for Vickies, Vicky Shoes. With more fine products still yet to be discovered, let me be the first to wish a Merry Feliz Navidad to all you Jimmy Buffett impersonators about to stuff your bellies with more than margaritas this July. Mele Kalikimaka, the Hawaiian way to say Merry Christmas in July from Tursic Industries. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. Let's head out on the road. And while we were away, the second round of the NBA playoffs ended and the conference finals began. The Eastern Conference Finals, the Milwaukee Bucks were expected to be there. I think the Atlanta Hawks were definitely a surprise. The series is 1-1 going into the game that tipped off right around the time we started recording tonight. The Hawks are up by a few right now. Phil, are the Bucks secretly shitty? <laughs> That's a harder question than you may think. Like I, I've been watching some of these games because now it's whittling down to what the final four teams and I have my obligation. And I've been really unimpressed with the Bucks. Like they're supposed to be a good team, right? And I think, yeah, maybe, maybe it's not that big a secret. They're they're not, they, they look kind of shitty. Yeah. I mean, they barely got by the Nets after Kyrie went down and James Harden was playing on one leg. And yeah. they really had to struggle to get out of that series. And they walked into game one of this series with the Hawks, and the Hawks kicked the shit out of them. Obviously, the Hawks are a bit of a surprise to be here. We didn't think they were making it out of the second round. So what do you think in this series? Can the Hawks deliver another shocker? I think they can because they're a really young athletic team playing with an unbelievable amount of confidence. And there's there's nothing better than that if you guys are saying Milwaukee's a shitty team in disguise, which I don't think they're a shitty team. I just think Atlanta's playing really well and uh, you can make a real run. And it's a team that did not make the playoffs last year where, where the Bucks did. So maybe there's there's legs like it happened to the Lakers that they yeah. just didn't play well. Any of those teams yeah, that sure. went deep didn't play well. So yeah. I don't know if it's a shocker. I, I think it was a shocker earlier on, but now I don't think the Hawks are shocking anybody. They're they're a put together basketball team who can beat anybody right now. What do you think, Phil? Can they can they pull an upset over the Bucks here? Sure. Yeah. I mean, they already they already took one game up in Milwaukee, and the, the nature of these seven game series is is it's not a series until the road team wins, right? Well, they got that out of the way pretty quick. And now they're they're in Atlanta for two, right? If they if they hold home court. They go back to Milwaukee with a three-one lead. That, yeah. That's huge. So yeah, yeah. I, I, absolutely. And and Trey Young, man, if he's on, if he's hitting his shots, you can't defend that guy. You talk about how these teams are built and whether you need your big three or your big four or something. But in the end, if you've got an unstoppable player, you got a really a really good chance to win a seven-game series. And Trey Young has, right before our eyes over the last month, turned into that unstoppable guy. Uh, he's making great decisions. He's hitting shots whenever they need it. He, he's really impressive. I don't know, man. The Bucks, to me, I said it a couple of weeks ago, after Giannis, who scores consistently for this team? Uh, and it's it just never seems like it's there. I think the ha the Hawks have got a better than average chance of, of taking this series, and I'm not even sure it's going seven games. Moving to the Western Conference. For a while there, it looked like the Suns would never lose another playoff game. It finally happened in game three, but they won again last night to go up 3-1. They turned back the clock to the mid-90s with an 84-81 win. Surprising to see the role that Patrick Ewing, John Starks, and Anthony Mason played in that one. <laughs> Chris Paul is back from COVID. Kawhi is not back from his knee injury, but the Clips have been coming back all playoff long. Chucky, what do you think? Do the Clips have another comeback in them against the Suns? 
Not if Paul George played like he did yesterday. I think he shot under 25%. And it's, uh, I love that his nickname is Playoff P, but when it really matters, he doesn't really play all that well in the playoffs. But he's done, <laughs> he's actually done pretty well this series. He just had a really shitty game uh, yesterday. But I don't know what uh, Kawhi's, um, injury how long he's out for or if he, he has a chance to come they're back they're not the game really playing. they're not really yeah. saying like that that's one of yeah. the it's one of those weird like nba side stories like is he sure. really seriously injured and they're just trying to hide it or is he going to come back i mean right now he doesn't seem to be any sign that he's coming back yeah so i, I don't know down three one but i mean their coach has some experience with that, I guess, going back to win a series down three, one, and we just passed the anniversary of, of it happening for the Cavs. So I don't think it's going to happen, but if it did, I'd be super happy for Ty Lue. Like uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of that guy forever. So I still think the Suns end up walking right into the finals. What do you think, Phil? I think the Clippers might get another game here and that might be it. If Devin Booker broke his nose and then played like a half a game with a face shield on and threw the face shield into the stands halfway through the game and then start hitting all the shots again. <laughs> if the Suns are healthy, they're they're just a better team on both sides of the court, given the fact that Kawhi Leonard's not coming back. I, they, they've What I read initially is they feared it was his ACL and then then they didn't report anything. Right. So if he had, right. if he had an ACL injury, the dude's done for this playoff season for sure and probably into the beginning of next season. Although I, I hate bet, betting against the Clippers because every time I said I thought they were going to lose, they won. Hard not to go with the Suns in this one. And frankly, it's it's just me being consistent because I don't know if you guys remember at the beginning of the playoffs, I called an Atlanta Hawks Phoenix Suns championship. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember recall. that. Nah. I knew those guys. Th those were the two teams I had. So I just want to stick with them right now. And also... It might be cool. Chris Paul's never been to the finals, and this is obviously the the best and last chance he has to get there. So I, I'm going to start pulling for the Suns a little bit because they, they are a really fun, really good team to watch. And I just don't think without Kawhi that the Clippers have the consistency to get there. So we'll see. We'll have another chance next week to talk about the conference finals. So I don't think the actual finals will have started yet. So we'll run back and see if um, – See if we're right on who won and who lost those. Why don't we move to college for a little bit? The United States Supreme Court issued a decision this week in NCAA versus Alston. This was a decision based on antitrust law. The syllabus of the opinion from the court stated that the decision is grounded in the uncontested premise that the NCAA enjoys monopoly control in the relevant market such that it is capable of depressing wages below competitive levels for student-athletes and thereby restricting the quantity of student-athlete labor. So in the end, what happens is the NCAA can no longer dictate that schools are limited in providing educational benefits to student-athletes, but the opinion even included a limitation that things like Lamborghinis could not be considered for educational purposes. <laughs> in the big picture, I don't think this opinion in this decision has a huge impact alone because it's not saying that athletes can be paid. It has nothing to do with their name image likeness issues that we've talked about in the past, but it is definitely a trend towards college athletes being paid in some way, shape or form for playing for university. So first let's go ahead and panic. Chuck is college football dead. <laughs> no, it's not dead. <laughs> 
No. Phil, do you think college football's dead? I, I do not. Okay. Nobody wants to elaborate on that. <laughs> this is going to be a quick uh, segment. All right. Well, college <laughs> college football is is essentially is, is eventually going to make more money than than any other football out there. I think. Okay. Well, um, I'm glad to see that nobody's panicking. I don't think college football is dead. I don't think college basketball is dead. I think we are about to see in the next five to ten years some really big changes in in how those sports look because I think we're going to see those athletes starting to be able to uh, capitalize in a lot of different ways on mostly who they are uh, rather than what they do for the university. Everything is starting to shift, I think. And I think the NCAA even sees it. Once the Supreme Court says we're going to attach antitrust rules to your industry, you can no longer have agreements between schools that you know, we're not going to do anything but let our athletes have scholarships. Like they're not allowed to combine like that and make decisions. It's just, it's against the law. So it's not going to happen. It might be interesting to see if the really big college football programs start to leverage this in creative ways. Like, okay, we're not going to give you a Lamborghini, but we're going to promise you a paid internship after college doing X, Y, and Z for $500,000 a year, you know, and if you're the starting quarterback on the team or, you know, you know, a, a stud defensive lineman or something like that, maybe you're getting those opportunities. I think that's going to be interesting. Phil, do you see anything positive for college sports that comes out of a decision like this? Based on what you just said, I, I started thinking about this. Does this mean the schools potentially the big, the big schools that are making the most money can just offer unlimited full rides to rosters of their entire football program and their basketball program and perhaps some other sports because there's no limits on it anymore. I mean, that, that I think that's a really interesting question and it's yeah. good because it's not one that has come up a bunch, but right. If the NCAA says you're allowed to have 56 scholarships for football players and you have this decision saying you can no longer limit educational benefits, right? Does that mean right. that you are now allowed to have 150 scholarship right. football players. Yeah. Full, full yeah. ride. I mean, division one sports in college, the, the vast majority of athletes out there are on partial scholarships. You know, your full ride guys are your stud football players and stud basketball players. And, and then it trickles down. There's a couple here and there on other sports, but now if that kind of takes the handcuffs off, so to speak, what's stopping some of these schools of just saying, all right, I'm going to give a hundred full rides. It, will that entice more of these players to come to my school that are maybe out of high school, your three-star guys, but turn into your, you know, starters. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. Do you think there's a chance, Chuck, that exactly what Phil is talking about happens and the end result is all of the college's scholarships are going to the football and basketball teams. And a lot of those, I don't want to call them like lesser known sports, but I mean, like a lot of the smaller right. programs at these schools are losing scholarships. Yeah. I think that's exactly what happens that the only deterrent there is, you know, since you've seen some of the transferring issues and in, in that portal kind of change over the past couple of years, if you're giving a hundred full ride scholarships, like Alabama for football, there's a lot of guys who aren't even seeing the field. And yeah, I assume you're going to see more. Maybe you see more movement now 
to other schools, but just the, the bigger ones, like you're saying, the same way how, how it was explained that, that I heard, like you have the opportunity to offer somebody like, like you're saying it, you're just hiding money in a different way. You're offering right. them an internship yeah. after they graduate for 500 grand. So don't use like that booster money becomes, you know, which major booster has the biggest corporation or the biggest business that now they just funnel money that way. Like, Hey, even though this guy sells whatever chicken parts, you're going to have a half million dollar internship uh doing chicken parts after like it's it still yeah. seems a little wonky but i guess i'd like to see it play out because these guys one way or another should should be getting more than than what they've gotten at least be able to make money off uh whether it's their likeness their name and i know that's not really it when you're talking about jersey sales and that but i i think that this also leads that players will be able to have endorsements in in their community so like instead of a uh, backup quarterback in Cleveland having like a Mr. Hero endorsement, like there's, there's going to be college kids who can do that. So I guess I probably should read a lot more, but it was, it was super interesting to me to see now that there's just going to be other ways that they can basically pay players, I guess, in a more legal way. And this decision doesn't have anything to do with that, like right to seek money for advertisements and endorsements and stuff like that. But there are already like half a dozen states that are passing laws that will allow college athletes competing in those states or going to school in those states to profit from their name, image, and likeness. This type of decision certainly shows the NCAA the writing on the wall that you can't stand in the way of that stuff anymore. Like it's going, it's right. going to, that's going to happen. And, and that's going to be a thing. And I think that's again, a, a good thing, but in the end, this probably is just like the, at least in terms of football and basketball, it's just the rich getting richer. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, uh, you know, USC or something like that. Wherever you're looking at, like the, the giant programs are, Notre Dame, they're going to be able to offer more educational benefits than the other schools. They're going to have more booster money for internships, uh, and they're going to have better opportunities for you to sell your name, image, and likeness and to advertise products, a guy can go do a Mr. Hero commercial for Notre Dame. And I think a million Notre Dame fans are going to be all over that and, you know, go get their Roman burger. So, I mean, it's. Um... <laughs> you, would, you would like to think that the unlimited funds for education would kind of trickle down into, all right, you know what, we're going to give this stud starting pitcher a full ride and get him to come to our school or this amazing woman soccer player a full ride to get her to come to our school and maybe it will it, it, maybe it will well, in theory it should right in theory it should however we start to drift further away from the revenue producing sports and at the end of the day these universities are all about making money they'll probably throw a full ride at the third string quarterback or fourth string quarterback before they do something like that you know it'll be interesting to see i mean i think it's that constant tug between the amateurism and the amount of money that is generated by the big number sports, you know, the, the football and the basketball and women's basketball too. And you might even throw college baseball and college softball into that. I mean, they have TV deals now where their entire world series is, is being broadcast. It's not the same as obviously, you know, the NCAA tournament or the, the BCS or something like that, but you, you, you have that tug where we want it to be amateur, but in the end, there's so much money being made and to not give something to the players gets more and more unreasonable as those TV contracts and like the, the money that comes in gets bigger and bigger. We'll see. Anyway, the Supreme Court uh, siding with players at this point. We're not done with our legal analysis yet, fellas. 
because I want to do another installment of our ongoing investigative series, Spitball. Major League Baseball started enforcing Terry versus Ohio by requiring umpires to stop and frisk pitchers for sticky substances during games. Before we move on, I just want to know if you guys can think of any other podcasts that mix constitutional law and baseball jokes together. None that I know of. <laughs> Best podcast ever. <laughs> so anyway, the, the new rule in Major League Baseball that went in, into effect last week was that starters would be checked twice during the game for any foreign substances, and they check their hat, their hands, and, and like sometimes I think like their belt relievers are checked at the end of the inning that they pitch. And if they want, managers can ask the umpire to check if they have probable cause that the pitcher may be um, using a substance to doctor the ball. Where does this rank among Major League Baseball's best ideas to slow down the pace of games? Oh, God. <laughs> This could be up there. This might be one of the best ideas they've ever had to slow down the pace of the game, flying in the face of everything they've changed in the last few years. You guys have seen the the shit show that this has become. Right? Yeah. You know, Max Scherzer, like, stripping <laughs> in the field, picking a fight with, uh, what's his name, uh, the manager of the Phillies. But Joe Girardi. Girardi, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the one thing that you mentioned there, Gerbs, the, the managers have always had the ability to – to have the umpire check the pitcher. That's that's been part of the rules forever. It's just kind of the spotlights on it now because it's involved yeah. with this. This is what we're going to do every game. This is this is silly. It's just bad. And, and to do it <laughs> and to do it in the middle of a season too. I mean, I have to yeah. imagine. Does MLB have a, a collective bargaining agreement coming up in this offseason? Because if they do, or in even the next couple of years, if they do, MLB is doing themselves no favors here. Like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So, Chuck, what do you think? Is this going too far? Yeah, I, I'm going to try to make this tie together. Are you guys familiar with the John Wick movie franchises? Have you seen yeah. any of the John Wicks? Okay, yeah. great. Yes, and I love, like, so, I'm going to, I'm really excited to see where this is going. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to work, but it might. And if it does, it's going to be great. But if not, if a dog dies, I'm going to Yeah, no. me too. So yeah. The only issue I have with the film series John Wick is that if it is to be taken as true, literally every third person walking the earth is an assassin. They're everywhere. Uh, they're homeless assassins. There's Birdman assassins. There's all these assassins. If what's happened here in Major League Baseball over the past two weeks is leading me to believe that almost every other pitcher is somehow cheating with a foreign substance that they thought they needed to take this drastic of an action or at least make it that big of a show that these guys get to come out. And I've, I've seen two pitchers drop their pants uh, in highlights or on TV. This is... It's ridiculous. So either it was such a massive problem, like a John Wick problem, that everybody walking this earth is an assassin, just like every pitcher is cheating, or Major League Baseball is doing something so horribly stupid, whether it's um, people who are casual fans saying this is ridiculous, or purists who think cheating is part of the game, or what the real issue is. The game moves at a snail's pace as it is. And this kind of shit, yeah, it's going to make good highlights for like two weeks. And until you find some pitcher with so much goop somewhere on his fucking body, <laughs> it is the biggest waste of time for any fan watching any game at any point this season. Well, did that work? Did the John Wick thing work or no? I, I like it. That was, that was really Wick, good. I, yeah, I, you, I, that you was... tied that together very well, but I'm going to go the opposite way. I love this because <laughs> I really think that it means that um, – 
managers are going to need a lawyer as a bench coach to help <laughs> advise them on making probable cause determinations and whether they can challenge and order the ump to, to check the pitcher. Other than that one small factor in this that might get me sitting next to Terry Francona during Indians games for the rest of the season, this is super dumb. And I can't believe that it has gotten to this level. It just seems like overkill on an issue that probably wasn't that serious. And I'm not really sure what major league baseball gains from this with that fellas. We'll close out that segment. We'll take our final break and we will head off the field. Unprofessional and unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. Being a dad is tough. Being a dad and looking cool, even tougher. Being a dad, looking cool, and doing it in an efficient and comfortable manner that makes you look fast, damn near impossible, until now. At Cinderella for Dads, we help match you with the best pair of cool, comfortable, athletic-ish slip-on shoes for your hectic schedule. No dad has time to tie his shoes, go to work, raise kids, and satisfy his lawn care responsibilities, inside and out, if you know what I mean. Dads need to be ready at a moment's notice to take out the trash or edge the lawn at the sidewalk. Lacing up real shoes simply doesn't fit a busy schedule that includes cleaning gutters and laying pipe. For plumbing, need a sweet pair of shoes good for chasing down foul balls at a Little League game and for cruising into your local Chili's for jalapeno poppers and drinks with your wife, Cinderella for Dads will slide you into the perfect memory foam slip-on shoes for any occasion. Cinderella for Dads. Looking good is for wives. Looking fast, comfortable, and ready to bring it at any age between 45 and 60, that's for you. Fellas, welcome back to our final segment. We'll go off the field, and we're going to start in a serious place. A former Cleveland Brown, current Oakland Raider, I'm sorry, Las Vegas Raider, Carl Nassib, came out this week as gay on Instagram. And I struggled with the idea if this should be a topic that we discuss, because part of what I love about this show is that we tend to avoid serious things, and we're just here to have a good time. There are plenty of people in the media covering serious things. They don't need us to do it, too. It's a really important moment where sports and real life come together. And it was one of the biggest stories of the weekend. It's, it's hard to avoid. So I felt like it's something that we should dive into and talk about a little bit. So scale of one to 10, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Is this story, uh, the fact that Nassab felt the need to, to come out on Instagram and announce this um, while he's an active player in the NFL, is this a sign of society changing a sport that was lagging behind or is this sports taking the lead on change? I think it's a little bit of both. It's the first time an active roster player has come out. Correct. You know, there was, yeah. well, Sam was drafted, but never saw yeah. right. I don't know if he ever came out of, made it out of camp. Um, right. And there, I think there've been guys who after their career ended. Right. Yes, right. Yes. So yeah, yeah it, it was a huge deal. And everybody kind of has the same take. Like it was such a big deal, but it shouldn't be that big of a deal. And and right. and they're right. But you're talking about the most masculine sport on the planet most of the time. And for a player who's is a pretty decent player, you know, he was an unbelievable college player, uh, mm-hmm. and and was okay with the Browns. Was was based maybe better on hard knocks than he was on the field. He was at least entertaining uh, on the yeah. HBO show. But <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm happy for him that it wasn't just you know when something like this typically happens, you get 
whoever it is, actors or politicians coming out in support of this. But what I saw were a lot of athletes, uh, big names who would never have attached them to something like this three years ago, coming out in support and saying how great it is. And and they're right. Uh, in, in 2021, I don't know if it should be that big of a deal, but but it is. And I'm, I'm glad it happened. So I assume it would lead to more announcements or may, maybe we get to a point that these aren't even announcements anymore. Like they, you don't have to right. go on social to announce it. It seems like that should be the goal. But I think you you raise a really good point, Chuck, that three years ago, this wouldn't have happened. And imagine 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Uh, and so, Phil, with, with that in mind, is this a big story a year from now or five years from now? Or is this something that becomes so common that it, as Chuck said, is no longer something that, that gets reported on like it's a big deal? I really hope it's not a big story certainly five years from now, I, I hope it's just like, okay, there isn't a need to announce these kind of things. It's just an understanding that, Hey, we've got a locker room full of 50 some men and it's going to represent any number of things in society, right? right. Be it religion and politics and sexuality and all these kind of things. Uh, and, and you're, you're coming together as a team and you're performing and you're going forward. So I hope, I really hope that in five years, this we don't see these anymore because it's not a big deal in, in, in a good way. Y you know, I watched Carl's announcement and I couldn't help, but feel good for that dude. Like he, the way he did it, it was like, so it was so just, Hey, by the way, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I was just kind of, I was having a good day and I was thinking about this and I just want to let everybody know. And, yeah. and it was, it was just kind of like a real person. Okay. You could tell there was a sense of, I got to get this off my chest. And then to Chuck's point, my favorite thing about the whole ordeal was the number of professional athletes from all the sports that immediately yeah. gave him, you know, congratulations, you know, excellent. We just support you no matter what kind of thing. But yeah, to answer your question, I, I, I kind of hope this isn't a big deal in, in a year. That'd be great in five years. Maybe uh, that's more realistic. You know, I think that things are moving so fast that change can come so quickly that um, I, I don't know that in a year or two, you, we reach that point where this isn't a big deal. And I think a, a lot of it is, and this may come as a shock to you guys, uh, a lot of professional athletes are younger than us. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> most of their coaches are younger than yeah. us. Yeah. I think the generation behind us or, or the younger parts of our generation that are, you know, maybe 15 years younger than us, they're better at this than we are. Yeah. They're more open. They're more accepting than we were not to say that we weren't, but I mean, then more understanding and accepting than we were in our early twenties or our mid twenties or something like that. And so you get you know, a bunch of professional athletes who, you know, between the ages of 25 and 28, I think those people, they, they've yeah. grown up with it more. It's been more normal in their lives than maybe it was when we were growing up and certainly was than when our parents are growing up. And young people leading on issues like this, I think tend to create change faster. Uh, and so I, I agree with you guys hundred percent that you'd hope this wasn't a story anymore, but because, of, because it's the NFL and because he's active and because he's a guy who is going to be in the league for a while, he's not going anywhere. It becomes a big story and, you know, kudos to him for 
deciding that he wanted to do this and felt the need to do it and then accepts the fact that he's got to share this tremendously personal part of his life with the entire world and hopefully makes it easier for other people to do the same thing. And I think a really good story of life and sports crossing over this week that we don't always get to see. And with that, I feel a little bit like Will Ferrell in old school finishing the debate scene. Let's move on to something a little bit more in our wheelhouse. Last week, Conan O'Brien ended his run as a late night television host. Stat line for Conan, he started his career, as everyone knows, I think, as a writer for Saturday Night Live and for The Simpsons. He took over for Letterman on late night in 1993. And then in 2009, he spent six months hosting The Tonight Show. In 2010, he bounced to TBS to host a new late night show where he remained until uh, last week. For Late Night on NBC, he did 2,725 episodes. He did 145 episodes of The Tonight Show. And then The Conan Show on TBS ran for 1,510 episodes. Chuck, how many total episodes was that? Well, they made 30 to 28, so. <laughs> um, you need to pay better attention. It's a total it's a of. Lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. 4,380 late night shows that he put on. Um, he received 28 Emmy nominations. He won four times. I heard that he is right now running a little podcast with something like 35 total listeners. I hope that's going well for him. <laughs> Chucky, September 1993, he takes over late night for David Letterman. So during that year, what do you think we did more? Watch Conan or go on dates with actual girls? <laughs> Uh, watched Conan probably together most <laughs> well, of the time. All we had too. to do was watch two episodes, yeah. I think. And- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was my sense too. I definitely remember a lot more Conan than girls, and not yeah. just in 1993, probably 1993 <laughs> through about 2000. So, if you remember, and I, I actually, when I was looking up and kind of reading about this, getting ready for the show, I had forgotten about it. But there was that weird little run he had hosting the Tonight Show where. Mm-hmm. Jay Leno retired from the Tonight Show. They gave it to Conan. Leno started doing a a kind of primetime show on Thursday nights that absolutely bombed. And so they decided that they wanted to move him. They were going to put him on again uh, at late night at 1130, which is the time that the Tonight Show always started. And Conan wouldn't do it. And so Conan just left and they gave the Tonight Show back to Leno for a little while. But I don't think he was on for very long after that. But scale of one to five. One being trading Ron Harper for Danny Ferry, five being trading Ed Taubenzi for Kenny Lofton. How big a mistake was it for NBC to bring Jay Leno back to The Tonight Show and lose Conan in 2010? That's a one. If I understood your scale the right way, it's a huge mistake. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. did. You yeah. did. Yeah. All right. Despite my love for Danny Ferry, uh, yeah, that was I not a you. good yeah. trade. Yeah. Not a good trade. <laughs> yeah, it's a one. I you know, they, they let Jay Leno dictate that whole situation. And it, it it's, it's just too bad. Cause, cause Conan O'Brien, he's different than all those other guys. And I, I really, I really feel like if he had his chance at the late night show, he, he would have had a great run there as well. I mean, he was able to make it work on, on TBS for so long. Right. I yeah. mean, definitely a one in my mind. I would say it's a one too. Cause I, re- I remember that time and I remember, I don't know who was a bigger continent. Uh, sorry. Uh, Leno or NBC. Uh, yeah. This this dueling cunts. Yeah, this, this show was promised <laughs> to Conan let O'Brien. Just, let me just let me just throw yeah. it in there. Cunt. There we <laughs> go. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Trifecta. Uh, go ahead, Chuck. <laughs> the Tonight Show was promised to Conan O'Brien. That is the pinnacle for any late night host. Yep. 
anywhere, anytime. And I remember it got uncomfortable and ugly. And now you, you see where it's at. And I think the knock back then was networks thought he wasn't his mass appeal in that time slot. Like not everybody would like him like they loved Johnny Carson and uh, Jay Leno, but you see who sits there now. And that was a, not that Jimmy Fallon does a bad job. He doesn't, but it's a different type of humor. It's more sophomoric. And they're looking for a much younger demo than they were back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Conan was a guy who could have sat in that chair for 20 plus years and people like he won everyone over. He's intelligent. He's extremely funny and he's a great interview. I don't think he ever got enough credit for how good of an interview he right. was. Kind of like Howard Stern doesn't get enough credit for how yeah. great of an interview he is. Uh, I would have loved him seeing him there. And, and now late night, it's changed dramatically since then. Um, but I'm sure he'll be just fine. Like he'll, he'll do great on his podcast and do what he wants to do and, and all that. But I really think he should have sat in that Tonight Show seat uh, for longer than whatever it was a couple months before Jay Leno snatched yeah. it back. I don't know if it's our age or if there's a certain amount of bias, but in my opinion, NBC swung and missed twice yeah. with Jay Leno because they Letterman could have taken that job yeah. after Johnny Carson yeah. and Letterman I, to me is still the king. He, he is still the best one of those guys I've ever seen. And then they did it again with Conan uh, and in, in both real similar situations where it was kind of promised to Dave and he didn't get it. And in the end, Leno just comes out looking terrible, but it's really probably the, the network that had the problem. But for whatever reason, they thought Jay Leno was the guy. And I don't know. I'm sure you could go back and look at the ratings and see that, you know, Leno had great years and was great on the Tonight Show. I would have been a lot more interested. I mean, not now because I go to bed at 930. But back in the day, <laughs> I would have been a lot more interested in seeing it go from Carson to Letterman and then hand it off to Conan. And, and that would have been a legacy of a really, really great show. So Conan's been on since 1993, Phil. And it doesn't really seem to me that him leaving the show this week was really that big a deal, like in the news and in the media. And do you, do you think it should have been bigger than it than it has been for the last week? Yeah, I absolutely. Um, I don't know if part of that is because of what he did and went to cable TBS and said, all right, I'm going to do my show. I don't give a shit what network I'm on. I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, okay. They, they didn't have the, the big three or big four networks backing him for some sort of like send off celebration type ordeal. But yeah, it absolutely should have been a bigger deal. That, that dude has been on TV since 1993. He's been writing for television since yeah. like 1980 something with, yeah. with the Simpsons and Saturday Night Live and you know all these kind of things. He's got to he, be like 106 at this point, <laughs> right? I'm just doing the math quickly in yeah. my head. Yeah, which bodes well for us because I think our podcast could surpass his because he's probably at the end of the rope at some point. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's pretty old. <laughs> Chuck, any favorite Conan memories from the show? Two that always stand out. Uh, I was in college and I thought it was the funniest thing ever when he used to drop the screen and they used to superimpose somebody's yes. mouth on Bob yeah, Bill was or Bill great. Yes, yeah. Those great. were <laughs> phenomenal, just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but I also, I don't know if you guys like the old timey baseball thing where he went out. Uh, yes. It was, it was by far like that yeah. to me, I can still pull that up twice a year on YouTube and still laugh as hard as I did the first time I saw it. Phil, how about you? 
Well, definitely. I, I agree with Chuck with both of those for sure. The, the dropping the screen with the, with the guy who would do the, the impersonations of all the guys, be it uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or uh, was uh, during the, during election years, it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Bob was Dole Bill, and Bill Clinton. Bob, man. Bob Dole, yeah. Bill Clinton. And, and what's his name? When, Ross uh, Perot. Ross Perot. Yeah. You feel like yeah. a miniature little dude in the corner yeah. just saying, Hey, 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 can I get that word in here? Uh, just comic, comic gold. But you know, the other part of this too, uh, I think Conan did a lot of things that at the time and maybe even now is, is certainly like pushing the envelope a little bit. I mean, he had the masturbating bear on early, early on, like the masturbating bear came out on screen and, and, you know, triumph the insult comic dog and, you know, him, him and Andy Richter were just phenomenal uh, in the year 2000 type stuff. Like all that stuff was, was just great. The year 2000 stuff was great when he was running it in like 2010. (laughs) So we'd already gotten past (laughs) 2000. You guys both took mine. The old timey baseball one is fantastic for the baseball and for the fact that he like totally hits on this woman who stays in character the entire time and her husband's away at the Civil War and is like, leave me alone. You know, that was great. YouTube is an amazing thing because you can go back and watch these things and they hold up, man. Triumph the insult comic dog was fantastic. I don't know if you guys remember Pimpbot, the robot that was was fantastic. But I think the thing I love about Conan the most and it's a thing that I appreciate in um, Miller, and I've begun to appreciate a little bit more as I do this show, is that you can do a bit and it can bomb. Your, your reaction to it bombing makes it funny. And Conan is a master at that, man. He Even in the podcast, he lays out a lot of terrible jokes and says just a lot of things that just fall flat, but he just kind of keeps going with it and, until it's funny. Uh, and I think I think that was great, man. And he, I agree with you, Phil, that he was... Uh, or Chuck, I think, uh, that he was a great interviewer. He's great at talking to people. He's great at asking questions. He's quick and funny and uh, always entertained me on late night. And uh, I think maybe the reason why it wasn't that big a deal that he was leaving and he's no longer going to be on late night was because he does have the podcast still. So it's not like he's going away. Not like when when Carson retired, you didn't see Johnny Carson anymore. You know, he's still going to be around. You're still going to get like to a window into his comedy and stuff like that. And I think that'll be a lot of fun, but congratulations Conan on apparently 75 years in television. Um, <laughs> you look wonderful, but fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the entire show without mentioning the new celebrity dating game show hosted by Zoe Dashanel and Michael Bolton. So with that confusing notion behind us, I want you guys to have a great week and let's do this again real yeah. soon. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Chuck, I got to tell you, um, pulling out that last one was pretty impressive because <laughs> in last week's episode, we did this exact same segment with these exact same questions. I knew all the answers, Chuck. <laughs> I had to make it, I had to make it close. Oh, you, Phil, you did a good did job. That? I wanted you to hammer oh. it. would have made it so much, so much more fun. I, I, I thought if I, I thought if I whipped out the, the pride of Winston Churchill high school, it might've been overselling how much I knew about Alex. Van did he really go to Winston Churchill yes. high school? Yeah. I, even I didn't even know that. That wasn't even one of my questions. (laughs) That's pretty Um, good, man. I think it was pretty great when he got Marino and you were like, would you go to Pitt or something? (laughs) (laughs) Aaron Savali went on the...
Bobby Bradley, Ahmed Rosario, Cesar in hand. So we didn't think they were making out of making it. <clears throat> we didn't think they were making out. God, for f**k's sake, Gerber. <laughs> They're not making uh, out. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> as as the group group you guys all right mm-hmm. all right, you all right? <laughs> wrong pipe wrong pipe i'm going down finish the show, finish the show. i'll share the screen it's gonna be like your show. flu game now <clears throat> this is your flu game the rest of this show is oh your flu boy game. all right that's good hold on It isn't just Christmas on Julio without presents. <laughs> that was really well done. That was really well done. You're going to take me a second to catch my breath. Take your time. Take your time. Be professional. Be professional. Breath. Focus. Uh, this is unprofessional and unprepared. Okay. Um... Well, at Tersic Industries, we have your Xmas Don Ulier gift is covered, eh? <laughs> hey, what the hell? <laughs> I think so. That was like that was French, the, isn't French, French, French. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you Victorias can f*** right off and make your own <laughs> I might get stuck now. These are only for Vickies. You Victorias can f*** right off. <laughs> You're going to have to leave it on the phone. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> All right. I need you out of the room and three right, deep breaths. I can't hear a snicker from in there either. Okay. Okay. We hope you enjoy this special preview of Unprofessional and Unprepared's newest show, Tammy and Harper Talk Sports. So Harper Tursik speaking here right on the radio. And I'm here with Harper Turner Tursik. This is Tammy Gerber reporting live from Ludington, Michigan. Yeah, and my dad and mom. Harper, I have a sports question for you. Can you tell me who is the Cleveland Indians mascot? That just gave me the answer again. Oh my God, get out of here. <laughs> Chief Woohoo. Chief Woohoo? Yes, very good. <laughs> what do you think of the name change? Not you know cool. What do you think of the name change? Not cool. Not cool, not cool. All right, all right. Harper, what is it called when the guys run down the field and they score a point? They win. Yay! They win. (laughs) What color are the Indians' jerseys? Speaking of that, I don't know. Right, yeah. I mean, we can pick any color we want because nobody knows. What is the name of the player who throws the balls? Chief Woohoo. Yay! 
Yes! Chief Wahoo throws out the pitches. And the golfer of all the golf errs also throws the ball. Yes, that's true. That's also true. I have one big question for you. Yes. Pepper, what is the meaning of life? I don't know. <laughs> Me neither. Funny. Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?